it's Rhonda Shortino. Thank you so much for joining me for Live, Love, Survive, and Thrive. I know there's lots of other stuff that you could be listening to, but this podcast is for you. It's to help you live an amazing life, the life that you were born to live. It's to help you love, to put your love into action, because that will change your life and the lives of everyone within your influence. It's to help you survive the tough times and to help you mine the lessons out of everything you go through, especially the most painful stuff that you go through, and to use those exact things to thrive. And today we're talking about hitting the delete button on worry. Okay, we've all done it. We've had legitimate reasons to do it. Some things that that happen and that seem like they're going to happen are gut-wrenching. I know I've had that moment, Jenny, I imagine that you have too, where we're just, you know, our heart is just seized up with the imminent awful thing that, that we're worried about. So right off the bat, I just wanna say, we're not talking about completely dismissing the possibility of awful things happening in your life because it doesn't, you know, we could turn on the news, we look around, there are, there are some very serious things happening in our lives and in the world. But what we're going to talk about today is how to deal with, how to handle those feelings when they come. We can't stop them from coming, but we can do something about them when we begin to feel them. So Jenny, what are your thoughts? How do you hit the delete button on worry? Well, you know, I mean, I, I'll be the first to admit, you know, that's, that's been a struggle, you know, for, for not only me in different seasons of my life, but people I've known, people in my family. I think it's just a cultural thing that there are so many worries that, that we can adopt into our lives. And, you know, what's the basis of worry? You know, fear, uncertainty, um, unlikely risks ahead, um, you know, the past, there's all kinds of things, you know, when something happens, that's a negative thing, we begin to, to worry about it happening again, you mm-hmm. know, and things like that. And there are, like you said, especially right now in our culture, there are things that are the basis of worry, but we're not necessarily addressing that, but thinking about ourselves personally going, how can I learn to manage my worry? You know, and, and the reality is, is, you know, I want to bring, you know, this time with our listeners up, to a point of let's talk about some some things that we can do. But I also think we need to understand that um, there are physiological things that happen when we worry. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think we understand the magnitude of not managing our worry. You know, disrupted sleep, headaches, mm-hmm. you know, nausea, irritability. And then sometimes our worries can cause us to go to a higher level of stress, you know, which is a whole nother level of the basis of worry going to a stress point. You know, I mean, there's lots of research saying that people literally can become physically sick because of stress and things like that. So with that said, our hope is that we can give some strategies and some thinking and some ideas about how to delete some of those those propensities that we have to worry. I mean, I know people that don't worry. You know, I have people in my family, that's not something they go to, you know, but for me, it's been something I, I'm being, I'm very honest and candid that that's been something I've struggled with. But one thing I do want to mention is I think sometimes we mask worry with the words, I'm concerned about this. You know, we can kind of sort of put a little frosting over the cake and say, oh, I'm just concerned about it, you know, or I feel burdened about it. But in reality, it's kind of strangling us a little bit and making us feel more worked up and stressed out than than 
you know, we should be. But what we, one of the things that, you know, is very important to me is, is people understanding worry takes our joy away. That's right. <clears throat> worry takes our, it, it just like takes our joy away. Something that's happy, a worry, some thought comes in and the joy is gone. And then where are we focused? Where are we shifted to that worry? And the reality is, and I know this, it cannot add a single hour to our lives. It cannot add a single day to our lives. I mean, what has worrying ever done in the bank of our life? Not, Not a thing. thing. It just, it just takes our time. It takes our joy. It, it, it destroys the moment. It does. And it robs us of our effectiveness. And how effective am I being in terms of being a mother, being a worker, being a friend, being a wife, being, you know, or whatever. I mean, it can rob you of your effectiveness because you should be doing things, you know, or, or thinking a certain thing or going a certain direction. And our effectiveness is, a, is affected by worrying because we kind of sit in that that feeling. And, you know, that's, we have to, we have to recognize what it does. Um, and of course it takes our peace away. And right now more than ever, we need to have peace. Mm -hmm. So we need to look at that worry and go, you know what, this isn't serving me. It isn't making my life better. So what do we do? What are some steps we can take? Okay. And so I think one of the things that we need to do is I think of little children, you know, being an educator forever, you know, they're so creative and imaginative. You know, they're able to take themselves places as children, you know, they're Superman or they're, you know, whatever they, they, you know, I'm a bird or I'm a whatever. And they take themselves. I think as adults, we lose our imagination. I'm not saying that we all turn into birds, Rhonda. What I'm saying is let's use our imagination to imagine possibilities. Okay. Yes. That's one of the strategies. Imagine possibilities. Imagine, you know, how ways you can be creative picture yourself in a positive place you know, be imaginative of, you know, I was meeting with somebody yesterday who talked about wanting to have a business. And I said, what does it feel like to be sitting in your office? Mm. And it immediately takes, you know, the concern of how am I going to get to my office and build this business to imagining what it would be like. And yes. that is a very powerful tool, you know, to really imagine yourself. What does it feel like to be happy? You know, and, and it's not easy when you're, when you're in the throes of worry, you know, it is a very, it's a discipline to do that. I think, uh, you know, we need to really, you know, as a person of faith, you know, I, I really believe that uh, praying is a very important thing, you know, and not everybody shares my, my, my faith, but I think praying is very important and, and having a spirit of gratitude. You know, when we begin to be very grateful for the things that we have, we're all, we all should be grateful, you know, our home and our, and our coffee cup and our, our dog and, you know, our spouse and all these things, a spirit of gratitude is, is super powerful, you know, and, also, this has been something that I've really focused on with worry is right thinking. You know, if I watch the news too much, mm -hmm. if I start to dwell on negative things, that is what I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. You know, and then, I think, about. and then worrying about it. Exactly. That thinking transfers to the worry. Right. So am I thinking about things that are right? You know, am I thinking about things that are good or am I thinking about everything that worries me? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> and then... Um, you know, I think we also need to focus on, you know, good living, you know, try mm -hmm. to do the things that we know are good for our lives. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to drink our water and eat our good food and, you know, exercise a little bit and get some air and get a little bit of vitamin D every day. And, you know, those kinds of things go to special places, you know, an ocean, if that's where you love to go or going on a drive or listening to your favorite song or whatever, you know, getting ourselves to a place of, you know, right living. So those are some of the things I wanted to share with people today um, that I hope will help uh, them delete some of that worry in their lives because it really doesn't add any time or any value 
it actually does the opposite. That's exactly right. And, and what you said about using our imagination is a perfect segue to, to what I was going to talk about. Um, the way I hit the delete button on, on worry is, um, as you mentioned, because I'm, I'm a person of faith also. So the first thing I want to do when I feel that worry coming on, um, for me, it, it feels like a feeling of dread. Mm -hmm like the worst possible scenario is about to happen or it's likely to happen or it's going to happen. And, and for, for those of us, I know being a, a former foster kid, we call ourselves foster alumni. I, I have a lot of foster alumni who I'm connected to on social media. So, so for those of us who are, um, you know, who have experienced abuse as children or we've been the victims of violent crime, we've seen violent crime. You know, for those of us who have experienced the worst case scenario, it's very difficult for us to dismiss uh, this feeling of dread because we've had it before and then we've had the actual thing happen. So it's really, really um, challenging for a lot of people to, to get rid of that worry because we expect bad things to happen because they have before. That is the reality. And so for me, I have to immediately pray. I have to give my worry to God and say, okay, um, I will not, I refuse to believe that the worst thing is going to happen. I might add again, I refuse to believe that because what I choose to believe is that the best thing is gonna happen, that good things are gonna happen. When I worry, I'm actually in the opposite of faith. I'm, I'm believing for the worst to happen. I'm dreading, I'm bracing myself, I'm, I'm thinking about what that would be like. Okay, now what am I gonna do if this happens? Because um, that's kind of the way I think. I, I you know, in, in insurance for many, many years, and, and I would get the phone calls when a tragedy happens. So, so my brain goes to, okay, in the worst possible scenario, here's my plan. I'm going to do this. I'm A, B, C, and D. And, and so I have to literally intentionally say, nope, 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 nope. I'm believing for the best. And I have to put myself there and think, what does that look like? What does that feel like? How awesome would that be? And I literally play it out in my mind. And you know what's, it, it's kind of sounds weird to even say this and probably going to sound weirder. <laughs> but so many things that I have visualized in my imagination that you talked about, where I've forced myself to look at the other side and to say, nope, I'm just going to believe for the best. So many things have happened. And things that, like it just didn't make any sense at all. Things like, okay, being on the Today Show, you know, I, I had thought, okay, well, uh, you know, if, if this thing, if this letter that I wrote to this foster kid that became a book and whatever, what, what's the best possible thing that could happen? Because somebody had said to me, oh, you're turning it into a book? Oh, don't you know that most books wind up in the trash heap? 
Don't you know that most books that people write and self-publish wind up, you know, in boxes in the garage and then they wind up in the trash heap. And, and somebody said that to me. So now the vision in my mind is I can't pull the car into the garage for all the boxes that are there. Right. So <laughs> I had to intentionally, you know, turn around and say, well, what would be the wildest, most amazing thing that could happen? Let me think about that. Oh, well, the most amazing thing could happen. You know, I don't know. The Today Show will call and ask me to, you know, come and be on. It happened. Whoa, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. what's the wildest thing? Well, my book is in every Barnes and Noble. Huh, it happened. I mean, so what's the harm? I want you to be happy and you can be. That's why I wrote the book, 30 Days to Happiness, that was featured on the Ellen DeGeneres show and was included in her Kind Box distribution. So many people have reported finding their happiness with this book. Please go to my website, Rhonda, R-H-O-N-D-A dot O-R-G, and order your copy today. It doesn't cost anything. There's no money right. involved. There's really no time involved because the, when, the time that you spend out of the 1,440 minutes that we get every single day, if we spend 10 minutes thinking about the worst possible scenario, well, there's 10 minutes. We're never going to get back. It's gone. What do we have to show for it? Nothing, except maybe a little bit of a stomach ache or a little bit of a headache. Right. Why not give 10 minutes to thinking about the most amazing, wildest, craziest, good thing that could happen? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, what you're doing, Rhonda, is you're choosing your fuel. You know, we all need fuel to our body every day. So I'm going to fuel my life with worry or I'm going to fuel it with something expectant. You know, and that's what you're doing. I mean, the power of our minds. Everybody who's listening and will listen understands how powerful our minds are. You know, when we want to pick up a heavy weight, somehow we're able to do it because our mind tells our body to do it. And you're choosing an amazing fuel by saying, what is the best thing that could happen instead yes. of the fuel of the worst thing? Exactly. Exactly. And then, so the next step after that of imagining the best possible thing that could happen is actually saying, well, hmm, is there anything I can do to, to lean forward in that? Is there anything I can do that actually makes the best possible thing happen? Well, let me tell you, um, with everybody in my life saying to me, well, that is about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I decided that I was going to start writing to people and, um, and you know, seeing who responded to me. So I wrote to um, the Vatican. I wrote to the White House. I wrote to senators. I wrote to Congress people. I wrote to professional athletes. I wrote to um, um performers, you know, music performers. I wrote to movie stars and, um, you know, and with my husband standing there going, it's a lot of postage. <laughs> it's a lot of paper. It's a lot of ink. Really? Really, Ron? Oh, snap. The, the mailman at the time started bringing stuff. And every day in the mail for like, I don't know, four or five, six weeks, I would get the most amazing stuff in the mail from people. They responded. I had the mailman, you know, looking up the driveway, like who in the world lives here? Because, you know, one day it's a letter from the Vatican. Another day it's a letter from, you know, the White House. Another, you know, he's seeing the return addresses on these, on these envelopes. Like what is happening over here at this house? And so, you know, what that taught me was, um, yeah, we actually can imagine the best thing happening. And then we actually can take some steps to help it happen. Now, I mean, every single thing that I've ever imagined uh, hasn't happened. I'm going to say yet, because I'm still breathing. I'm still in the game. 
Um, but, you know, I've heard it said that whatever the percentage is, who even really knows, but I've heard it said that like 90% of the things that we worry about never actually happen. So why, why give my time to that? Mm -hmm. So, you know, going back to the very first thing though, that, that I said, I really do get that some things that we worry about are just gut wrenching. We worry about our kids. We worry about our grandkids. Um, we worry about, you know, our spouses and, and I've had some of those things. I mean, my husband was, um, expected to die. Um, I've, we've had, um, we've had two suicides in extended family. I mean, we've had some really serious stuff. So, so I'm not trying to, you know, say everything is uh, sugar and spice and let's just sugarcoat it and everything's going to be just peachy because sometimes it's not. Mm -hmm. But if the thing that, you know, if the worst case scenario does happen, you have not helped yourself by worrying before it. It doesn't, um, it doesn't prepare you. I mean, this is what I would say to the people who say, and I can actually hear, I'm thinking of a, a specific person <laughs> who said to me, oh no, um, and this is a, a mental health professional and I am not a mental health professional. So I did take her words seriously, but they didn't, I, I measured them against my experiences in my life. And I've lived a lot of years and I've had a lot of these experiences, but this woman said, well, no, what you want to do is really think about the worst case scenario so that you're preparing yourself so that you're, so that you're ready. And then you have closure. And, and I did give, you know, I, I listened to her respectfully and I really did think about that and noodle on that. And of the experiences that I've had where I believed for the best and the best happened or something better than, you know, the, the worst worry happened. I thought, um, well, if I had done what she said, I would have caused myself a lot of angst that was unnecessary. Mm -hmm. And in the situations where I actually have had tragedy and I have experienced that pain, um, I, I don't, I don't think it would have helped me to have worried to the point that I was experiencing that pain ahead of time. Like, why should I, why should I make, if, if the pain is like this, why should I stretch that out and make the pain go, you know, three times as long, five times as long. I, I just, for me anyway, no, I'm not going to do that because mm -hmm. for me, worry is the opposite of faith and I'm going to have faith. I'm going to have faith that everything is going to turn out well. I'm going to have faith that, um, that I can, um, expect good to happen in my life. Maybe not exactly the way I would like it to happen, or I think it will happen, but some of the things that have happened to me were much better than I could have imagined. I didn't have the capacity to imagine the amazing thing that was coming my way. So, so I've decided I'm not going to limit God by, um, you know, by demanding that things be a certain way because he always has the best way. He does. And, you know, I, I think, Rhonda, I think what you said is amazing. You know, let's not untangle a mess that's not there, you know, because it's like a, a yarn ball that gets all tangled up, you know, let's keep it clear, you know, and so I think my two things are the two R's, you know, recognize if you have a propensity to worry, you know, look in the mirror and go, am I masking worry with, oh, I'm just concerned about this. And, you know, am I characterizing it at something? I'm not, I don't worry. I'm not worried. You know, when we say those things, once we recognize, then we do step two and that's the redo. You know, you said, I literally shift my thinking about what it would be like to be on the Today Show or what we get to choose. And that's the power of it. You know, we cannot control everything in life. You know, we cannot control every, every bit of it, but we can choose our thinking. We have a free will to choose how we think. 
And we have a free will to put those worries aside and literally say, I'm not going to think of it that way. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it that way. You know, I'm not going to allow myself to go there. That's what I do. And it's really powerful. I'm not saying we claim and wear this, you know, this badge of I'm a worrier, but let's call it what it is and then redo the way we think about it so we can delete the power of worry in our lives. Yeah, that's really good. And something you said made me think of something that I want to add real quick before we, before we sign off the badge of worry. I think that in our culture, um, if, if we, let's say that, you know, it's, we have a, a person, a family member who's ill in our culture, if we pace the floor all night long and we wring our hands and we're standing over them, oh, 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 in our culture, that says we care. Yeah. When my husband was expected to die, when the doctors at USC Medical Center said, there's nothing more we can do, I refused. I refused that. They pretty well thought that I was a lunatic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said, no, 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 God's going to heal him. And, um, and they would go, mm -hmm. you know, and look at me like I had, you know, lost my ever-loving mind. Uh, but I refused to see it. And, and I was, I, I was praying faith-filled prayers. I was envisioning us walking on the beach, holding hands in our eighties. And I encouraged him to do the same thing. And that was, I think, 2003. And he's absolutely fine. And, uh, and you would never know that he was that close, that he had ever been that close to death. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not, um, you know, we know that everything doesn't turn out that way. But what I am saying is that I think it's okay to remain cheerful, not put on that badge of worry that says, I care so much. I'm just worrying myself sick because I just care so much. And, and then we all go, oh my goodness, yes, you do. You're just, you know, you're pacing the floor and you're losing sleep. So therefore you must care a lot. I think we have to be willing to accept that some people can say, okay, I see, I see the factual reality of the way things are right now. Uh, but I'm praying and I'm believing and I'm using my imagination to envision the best possible outcome. And you can't do that in the same breath as worry. It's one or the other, but you can't do both. So you have to envision the best possible thing and then carry that vision with you and just refuse to, to entertain those, the, the worst possible scenario thoughts. So, all right, I'm looking forward to talking to you tomorrow about hitting the delete button on self-medication. And for people who don't know what that means, I'm talking about uh, eating a pint of ice cream at two o'clock in the morning, um, you know, sneaking that extra cookie, spending money that you don't have because it just makes you feel better. Um, it can be drugs, it can be alcohol, it can be, you know, any of the things that we do that, you know, we know we shouldn't do or too much of a good thing. Um, to make ourselves feel better. We don't have to medicate ourselves to make ourselves feel better. So I'm looking forward to, to talking to you about that tomorrow, Jenny. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. I hope that you'll subscribe. I hope you'll share with others and, and just come alongside of us in helping people to live, love, survive, and thrive. See you next time.